Welcome to 2022. Hopefully it's not just 2020 part two. I'm hoping not, but let's be honest. Time has gotten really mushy since about 2019. And um, so the look back this year should be interesting. This is my favorite episode or one of my favorite episodes to do. And if you go back in the go back into the vault, not only will you hear the older podcast intro before the name change, but I've done a year in review in both 2019 and 2019, 2020, and this is the year in review for 2021. And I really love seeing how things evolve, even when I just look at my research notes going into this episode. And I can't wait to break it down. I I added one extra category. We don't have five categories this year. We've got six. So it's a look at the year for the law nerds, a look at the stories that captivated us, a look at things that I loved this year, things that confused me this year, things that I let go of in 2021 and my January reset. I really do enjoy every year doing this episode. It just, it just makes me happy. And so I feel like 2021 was weird because I feel like a lot of things stood still, but also so much changed for me in my life, in my kind of, in what I do for work and how I do it. And it, it just, everything shifted, but also I felt like the year was kind of walking through mud. I hope that makes sense. You were probably, some of you were probably like, I feel seen. And some of you were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Isn't it just 2019? Aren't we just starting into 2020? Um, because it's been such a weird few years. Another reason why the look backs matter so much to me is it's a way to kind of, uh, it just a log and keep track, but also mark where we've been. Cause as a, as a global human community, We've been through some shit, y'all, and we are continuing to go through it. And with that, I feel like we should just get into today's shit because I'm really excited to talk about it. I love taking a look back. I love the new year and I love like the beginning of the academic year. Those are two kind of touch points for me in the year that I really always look forward to. One, they always feel like a time to buy supplies. And I'm trying to call back my pen collection. But those of you that watch me on YouTube know I have like half of my pen collection not even half. It's part because the drawers also have more, but it's part of the background in my YouTube channel. I love a planner. I love plotting out the year. I love some like goal setting and, and metric tracking. I love all of that. I'm not a huge new year resolution person because I like to continue to modify throughout the year and they just feel like serious commitment and too much locked in. And I get rebellious about them. And it's like, I'm setting this new year's resolution, but eh. I do what I want. So I don't set resolutions in a traditional way, which is why I do a January reset and I reevaluate that a few times a year. So I'm going to talk about all of that today because it's a little bit, this episode's a little bit about me, a little bit about us, a little bit about what we've loved this year and a whole lot about having some fun. So let us kick off 2022 brilliantly by um, not singing Taylor Swift, but by just getting into today's episode. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. So yes, I'm going to be talking about a look at our year of law nerds, the stories that captivated us, the things I loved, the things that confused me, the things I let go of in 2021 and the January reset. So the first part of that is going to be looking at what 2021 held for the law nerds, because 
we had a really big year. This, I feel like in my life, 2021 was the year of the law nerds. And I'm breaking that down across YouTube and the podcast and then some kind of random and interesting accomplishments just to share. I truly don't always mark accomplishments because I'm kind of just, I feel like I'm always moving and it's not an on to the next moving, but it's like, there's stories to cover. There's things to do. And even as I'm sitting here today recording a little bit late, because I took a break for the holidays, huge thank to our editors for getting this out on time. I love you both. Yay. But it's that, you know, even as I'm sitting here, the Elizabeth Holmes jury has stuff going on. I, I love kind of staying on top of what's coming. And so I don't always sit down and reflect and go, oh my God, a lot really happened this year. So that's one of the things I love about doing a look back. And the Lawnard community grew and thrived in 2021. We kicked off pretty strong at the end of 2020. But in 2021, I have been for the entire year of 2021 solely a full-time legal commentator, legal analyst, content creator on the YouTubes and the podcast. That is my full-time job, if you will. It is my full-time calling in life. It is my joy and my pleasure. Um, Joy in my head. Pump it up, pump it up. And pain, pump it up, pump it up. Sunshine and rain. Come on now. Anyway, in my brain, that's what happens in my brain. But it has been an entire year of this being what I do. This is what I do. This is what we do now. (laughs) And it's funny because my mom will be like, I still just don't understand how all of that works. I'm like, I know, mom, it's okay. Not everyone understands that being a full-time analyst, commentator, content creator is possible, but it is possible. And there are so many that see it as something that 20-year-olds do. And it's not. This year of being on YouTube has connected me with so many amazing creators. And yes, some of them are, look, some of y'all are young. I love you. You are young. I'm envious of your energy and the fact that you can create and create and create. Um, But not every creator on, you know, in the world of podcasting and YouTube who is doing this full time is in their 20s or even their 30s. There's plenty of us in our 40s as well, and 50s and 60s. And I think there's something different that comes with um, lived experience. And it's one of the things I love. I love the enthusiasm and the fresh take of those who grew up different than I did, who see the world through different lenses. But I also love hearing from people who have lived their full long experience. And this year has really shown me how valuable all of those perspectives are. And it's something I always challenge myself to bring into my world. And whether that's the content that I watch on YouTube, you know, as Billy Sarian says, get better idols. Um, The content I watch on YouTube and trying to watch creators, not just um, with diverse backgrounds, but diverse points of view and diverse types of content, but also in my social media feeds, not everyone in my feeds are people that I necessarily agree with on everything, but I also want to see how they're engaging in what's going on in the world around us what conversations they're having and what their take on it is. Because I see really what I do is distilling information through not just my education and experience, but also through my kind of my own unique view of the world, because all of our views of the world are unique and distilling that and making it accessible. So we know what's going on in the law. 
But to do that, I have to challenge myself to continue to grow and make sure that I'm not stuck in the way I view the world either, that I'm taking in new information so that I can bring you the best content that I can possibly create and doing that on YouTube and the podcast. So this year on YouTube, just a few by the numbers, it always feels weird sharing numbers, but also I I want to share with you because this is what our community has done. And there can be so much negative on social. And I feel like the Lawnard community really creates a positive space. Our live streams are epic. Our chats are incredible. I've seen so many of you week after week, not just encouraging each other, supporting each other. Some of us had some really hard parts to 2021. And within the Law Nerd community, I have seen so much support and care and empathy that it really gives me um, hope that, you know, those social media can have a dark side when people can communicate anonymously. It can also have a really light side too, where people can connect in a genuine way and have uh, conversations and compassion for one another. So with that, we've had over 15.7 million views on YouTube this year. Um, that's more than a million views a month. That exceeds all of my expectations in the world. And who knows what will happen next year, but it's amazing. Um, more than that, there's more than 8.5 million watch hours on YouTube. That is 8.5 million hours of people watching my content. That number blows me away. Um, there isn't a good word for the depth of my gratitude that that many people want to spend that much time understanding the laws that are affecting the stories that we really all want to spill some tea about. And that's incredible to me. In 2021, we grew over 118.3 thousand lawners. As I'm recording this, we're sitting almost at 192,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is just incredible. We hit 100,000 subscribers in May. And from May to now, we've grown another, you know, almost another 100,000, which blows me away. It's almost time to dye the hair again. We dyed it purple. It's We're going to be dyeing it again when we hit 200,000. Don't be sad if I go back to purple. I love it. I feel like I was meant for purple hair my entire life. This never would have worked, by the way, when I was playing water polo and swimming in high school and college. Uh, it never would have stayed purple. It probably would have been a very icky shade of green. And I'm really happy that at this point in my life, I can just rock some purple hair and and love it. I was out shopping uh, for groceries ahead of a snowstorm that came into Middle Tennessee with my husband because uh, we desperately needed some and we've done some grocery delivery. And there was a little girl out at the store and she was like, Mom, look, she has purple hair. I'm like, I do have purple hair. She's like, I love your purple hair. I'm like, I love my purple hair too. It's just, it's just so much fun. It's a great icebreaker. I love the purple hair. Over on YouTube, the most popular video of the year, the highest viewed video of the year is one of my videos that I did not monetize, which is just so funny because often when you don't monetize videos or don't turn ads on them, YouTube does not push them out. So I was encouraged to see that people searching for a, a valid source of information on this topic were able to find something that was hopefully, or at least it's my intention that it's not you know, exploitative co coverage of the Josh Duggar case and that it provides you with just the factual information plus my experience as a former prosecutor. So the most popular video on the channel was the breakdown of Josh Duggar's detention hearing. That detention hearing was 
hours. It was six or seven hours long. And then I did a video breaking down what happened in the detention hearing, why he was being released, how he was being released and the facts around that and continued covering that case, which we'll get to when we talk about the different cases that I've covered on the channel. With the podcast, Just the Emily Show, podcast analytics and statistics and numbers are a bit harder to track than YouTube. It's not all neat and tidy because there's what goes on over on Apple and then what goes on on Spotify and then what goes on on all of the other um, ways that you can listen to the podcast. But the podcast is over 600,000 downloads now. It has charted worldwide on both Apple and Spotify. In the Apple charts, we hit top three in entertainment news and we hit 52, kind of our peak on the charts was 52 in the broader news category, which I love because this is an independent podcast. And though we are sponsor supported, I am not part of a larger podcasting network like iHeartRadio or Spotify or others. This is created and produced by me and my team. Well, my editors and, and my team that helps support that, but it's researched by me. It's produced by me and it's an independent podcast. So to compete with the large media networks means a lot to me because you have options that that we didn't have, you know, five years ago to find independent voices. And I think that that's such a valuable thing as we go into, you know, as we go into the future, especially with like social media being like, oh, you can't say that. It's like, wait a second. Podcasting feels kind of like the last frontier where you can have open exploratory uh, conversations. And I really do love that. And the top episode over on the podcast was different because the Duggar detention video was not a podcast. That was just a video, not a podcast episode. But it was Britney's legal team accusing James Spears of extortion. That motion and that kind of line of legal argument is still going on in the Britney Spears case, even though she's free from the conservatorship, which we will talk about more in a bit that's still going on. And there are still legal motions that are not done yet. So 2022, we are not done talking about Britney Spears, but her conservatorship is over, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So some interesting accomplishments this year. Let's just, let's just run it back and talk about them. This makes me uh, deeply, deeply uncomfortable. And I am working through like why just sharing things, good things makes me deeply uncomfortable, but um, you know, that's for me and my therapist, <laughs> which we will also talk about more in a minute. But some of the interesting accomplishments from 2021 is I was able to collaborate with a number of YouTube creators that I've watched for quite a while. And that includes uh, Phil DeFranco and Ethan Klein. But I was also so encouraged and excited to have conversations about housewives with up and Adam and Zach Peter. I am a regular on the vidIQ channel. vidIQ is a company that makes an incredible uh, software and tools to help you grow your YouTube channel and others. So getting to stream with the other law tubers and Eric Hunley and having conversations kind of all across the YouTubes has been a really incredible thing because I really do like Y'all are like, Emily, are you ever going to get sick of talking about this shit? No, never. I love having these conversations. I love talking about the topics that I cover. And the reason I cover them is because if somebody's like, hey, can you come on and talk about this? I never want to feel drained about talking about a topic. I always want to be like, oh my God, yes. And there's so much more. So I've really been encouraged. I mean, I had a sit down conversation with the 
American Bar Association, like the the full ass American Bar Association for lawyers. We talked about my shift into work in the pandemic. Um, I talked to Aaron Bender, who runs a podcast and was a radio personality that I listened to when I was still in LA. And I was on some incredible podcasts like Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop and Hashtag No Filter with Zach and Behind the Velvet Rope and Andy's Girls and so many more. And I love having those conversations and sitting down. Um, I talked with (laughs) So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, just great conversations about the topics that I love. And part of why it's so much fun for me is because not only does it expose the law nerds to some new content creators, but it also allows me to chat with audiences that might not have heard of me. And they're like, oh my God, there's lawyers that speak human and curse words (laughs) that talk about pop culture shit that I love. Yes. But I also provided more traditional legal analysis in traditional mainstream media as well in, you know, People Magazine and The Sun and BBC.com and Times Radio London. I've been having conversations with them about the Elizabeth Holmes trial, which has been amazing. Mix 104.1 has been wonderful to me and has had me on with Carson and Kennedy numerous times to talk about Britney Spears. I love AM, like not AM, I mean AM morning, not AM bandwidth, (laughs) but I love morning radio. Um, I grew up with not having podcasts and just having morning radio and being feeling very deeply connected to the morning radio show where I grew up in Los Angeles to the Kevin and Bean show and going to live remotes and listening from the time I was in like junior high. I love morning radio. So it was really thrilling to get to be on morning radio, the morning radio. Here's the thing really fucking early, (laughs) but delightful. Um, nonetheless, I don't think that's a profession I was ever destined for, but I love Uh, getting to participate every now and again. And then, of course, being on ABC's primetime special, The Year 2021, I I was shocked when they asked me. I've talked about the behind the scenes of what that was like for me on my members-only podcast, I Have Thoughts. It's over on the Patreons if you want to join, you know, the Lawnard community there at lawnardsunite.com. And have really shared a lot about the behind the scenes there and have another episode coming up about watching it with my family and what that experience was like. But it was great to be a part of it and get to provide commentary. Well, not commentary. I mean, legal analysis on a national scale that kind of blends both the pop culture and the more traditional media coverage. I think all the cases we've talked about this year have been important. And we're going to talk about in just a moment the stories that we love this year. But before we do that, we're going to take a minute for today's first sponsor. Let's have a quick moment to talk about taking care of yourself. The new year is not just a time to evaluate steps you can take for your physical health, but for your mental health as well. So today I'm really excited to share with you a great offer from Cerebral. Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription, medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. You can access Cerebral from your phone, from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to go anywhere. It limits the cost of traditional therapy and can deliver medication right to your door if that's appropriate for you. I've shared on all of my 
uh, content, how important therapy is to me, how important it has been to me, not just when I'm going through struggles and challenges in my life, but also on the regular as part of how I take care of myself. If you've never tried therapy before, this overcomes the hurdles, cost, the driving, waiting in an office, all of the stuff that I used to find really uncomfortable about therapy is removed with Cerebral. There is something so nice about being in your own space and being able to connect with someone over your phone. It also allows you to connect with your licensed therapist through the phone app, through like DMing and text messaging so that you have support in between calls if that's what best serves you. Be sure to check it out for 65% off your first month. That's right. For all of the Emily Show listeners, you get 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash Lawnard. Just go to Cerebral.com slash Lawnard for 65% off your first month. That's just a total of $30 to get started. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. What do you have to lose? Just give it a try. 51% of cerebral patients report feeling less depressed in 60 days. 70% of patients choose cerebral because it's the most convenient option. And cerebral clinicians are rated 4.9 out of 5 stars by their patients. And over 75% of patients report improvement in 60 days. Let's get back to today's episode. As we get into the stories that captivated us this year, I, I just have to say I was thrilled when ABC reached out. I look forward to doing more in both, you know, my own way and traditional media in 2022. And I'm sure you will see, you will find Emily all over the interwebs this year. But let's talk about the stories that captivated us this year. And there were a number of them. I went back through uh, the podcast and the YouTube channel and my own feelings about the stories that I really loved covering and the live streams that were just pumping with, you know, 10,000 plus people on them. And then the streams I participated on, some of them with 80 to 100,000 people on stream, um, how LawTube took on traditional media with coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse case and how um, significant I think that that is. But one of the top stories, of course, for me and for a lot of you this year was the Britney Spears conservatorship. I've been covering this since 2019, but this Last year, 2021, was the year that the conservatorship was finally terminated. Everything changed in June when she was allowed to hire her own attorney. It's been very interesting watching Brittany share uh, her thoughts and feelings about what has happened to her over the past 13 years on her Instagram. I hope there's a book. I hope she does a documentary. I hope she shares her heart and her truth and and her experiences from her perspective. And I hope we see more of it because up until the conservatorship ended, it had been a lot of speculation from the outside. And for me, it was going through the court documents and trying to piece together what was being said without being said, if you will. That conservatorship battle is not over, though. There's still the matter of the media matters. The media matters with hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to attorneys for media matters that are being fought over, millions of dollars to yeeted James Spears's attorneys and more that is still coming up. So there will be lots and lots to come from the Britney Spears conservatorship in 2022, but she is free. The money is not done yet. 
in that kind of pop culture vein, the Housewives stories were also huge this year. Um, at the end of December of 2020, we saw the Girardi Peace law firm empire crumble like a house of cards. And that story has gotten so fucking wild that it feels like it's being written by, I don't know, a room full of writers going, but are we jumping the shark? But what about this? Is this jumping the shark? Have we gone too far? Will anyone actually believe this is happening? And by the time we got to the contempt hearing with regard to the Lion Air case, I was like, all of this feels fake. Like, I, we're living in a simulation. None of this can possibly be real. This is the craziest shit I've ever seen. That case is far from done. Though the bankruptcy is ticking along, there is more to be seen. There are numerous lawsuits that are still working their way through the court systems, and most lawsuits don't happen as fast as some of the ones we covered this year, like the Duggar case. But this Girardi case is, we've got, look, there's another season of Housewives of Beverly Hills filming right now with Erica Girardi. There is legal stuff continuing. There are allegations that have happened. There's lawyers that have come in and come out of the case. This is far from over. And we are going to be talking about, you know, Girardi well into 2022 and beyond. And we're also going to be talking about Jen Shaw in 2022 and beyond because Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is getting ready to film its reunion. Her trial's been put over till March. Almost all of the other co-defendants have already pled. Her first assistant has pled and gave a factual basis uh, plea or gave a proffer plea where it's like, this is the information I'll give you. It looks like he's probably going to testify against Jen Shaw. I am strongly contemplating just being in New York for that trial and going every day and being like, this is what I do now. I just cover the Jen Shaw trial. If you're a network that wants someone to cover the Jen Shaw trial, who's an attorney with 15 years and loves pop culture and has watched every single second of Housewives of Salt Lake City, let me know because I'm a... I'm thinking I might just go do that. <laughs> I think I might make myself my own official correspondent to the Jen Shaw trial because um, I am fascinated. And I don't know how many others there will be there that are covering it day in and day out and sitting through court. Why? Because federal trials can be very boring, especially fraud trials. There will be moments that will be interesting if Stuart Smith testifies, if Jen Shaw testifies, and don't we think she will? Like, if this thing gets off the ground, if we have liftoff, don't we think Jen Shaw's going to testify? I think Jen Shaw's going to testify. Because even though I don't want to step back into court as one of the attorneys representing parties, I am not opposed to being a court watcher because that's where you get the best commentary from. Anyway, Jen Shaw's going to trial. The Southern District of New York has been uh, has been working its, working its way through some wins lately, including convicting Ghislaine Maxwell um, of most of the counts that she was uh, tried on. So her sentencing is going to be coming up in 2022 as well. And that's going to topple over into other cases. That case has not garnered as much interest. Um, even just, the, I see people saying, why isn't this case being covered? But then people just aren't as interested in it. I don't know if it's because it's too dark, if it's because it's too confusing, if it's because it feels like there's stuff that's being hidden, but I will keep touching back in on that case, especially as we get to her sentencing to see what's going on. In the YouTube sphere, we have covered all of the Toddy Westbrook lawsuits of which there are numerous um, 
She has sued, she has been sued, and it is still mostly business partner fallout. And that is going to carry us well through 2022, if not into 2023. Um, Though we don't talk about it a ton on The Emily Show, we do talk about it a ton on YouTube. So if you want to see all of the lawsuits of it all, like four and counting, I think, um, because there was the original OG business partner lawsuit where her business partner sued her and her husband and derivatively on behalf of the companies in California. That case got dismissed for form nonconvenience. But then while that case was going, Toddy Westbrook sued another YouTube channel and that case settled. Um, and it seems in the settlement might have thrown the business partner under the bus a bit based on what was put out on social media. Then the business partner sued Toddy Westbrook and her husband, James Westbrook, for defamation in the state of Washington. Then Toddy Westbrook and her husband and their company sued the business partner in Nevada for a whole bunch of stuff regarding not just talking to another YouTube channel, but trade secrets and like, and, and, and. So we're well into the middle of legal wranglings on that. And it's, the litigation's been fascinating. You can get through like a civil pro book and like a business associations semester inside of just that one case, because there are so many fact scenarios there. It's fascinating. We've also really been covering the Rust set shooting with Alec Baldwin quite a lot. It's one of the things that kind of horrified all of us this year. And it's one of the things that People were like, how did this happen? And then, of course, he gave an interview and we're like, wait, what? And then the search warrant got served on him for his phone and we're all like, wait, what? Um, Of course, all the links to this content will be down in the description and in the show notes so that you can go to all the playlists for these because that's the Rust set shooting and the Astro World tragedy are both these kind of bigger tort type cases where we're seeing, I mean, much more in the Astro World, but we're seeing the different kinds of civil lawsuits for harm that was done and some really interesting theories of liability and where those boundaries of liability are. And we will continue to cover that. Like where, where is liability? And in both the Rust set tragedy and in Astro world, the performers, Alec Baldwin and Travis Scott were also kind of producers, um, Alec Baldwin of the film, Travis Scott of the festival and where those lines kind of cross over between being the performer, being a producer, relying on professionals. There's a lot of parallels, um, I think, in the two and in what the defenses will be of Travis Scott and Alec Baldwin between, well, I relied on professionals to do their job. It's not my fault. And the the civil lawsuit saying you were negligent, therefore it is your fault. And where that negligence is and if there will be any criminal charges in either of those. And we know with Astroworld that there's a congressional investigation So away we go with that. In a lighter note, this year gave us Colin and Cuthbert. It has been delightful. Aldi and M&S have given me joy over intellectual property, and I will cover more cheeky intellectual property cases just because every now and then you need a bright spot. Kind of like Nike and the Satan shoes, because it's at the end of the day, they are large companies that are going to financially be fine fighting over intellectual property and where the boundaries of intellectual property are and direct copying and ripoffs and cheater brands. And it feels like Bethany being like, that's a cheater brand. Like I loved everything about it. I loved Aldi's snark on social media. I think that with the Colin and Cuthbert that eventually Aldi will have to change their packaging because I think that M&S is probably right. But then there's the fancy gins that got into it and then more ads. And then do the companies make more money? Like at the end of the day, 
are MS and Aldi a net positive because of the lawsuits bringing attention to caterpillar cakes and fancy gin bottles the worldwide? Like, in a way that you're not going to get with traditional advertising. It's like, oh, there's a lawsuit. We're fascinated. So, it, and is that the same too with, with Nike and the Satan shoes? Did they file a lawsuit? Because nobody's going to really pick up the headline that Nike disavows the Satan shoes, but Nike sues over the Satan shoes. And you've got little Nas X not involved, but involved because he was promoting the shoes that were made by mischief. Is that like the best advertising money can buy? Is 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 lawsuit are are lawsuits the new PR? Is that what we're going to see in 2022? And then finally, 2021 gave us really law tube, and I don't remember where the exact phrase law tube came from, but it was a joke between a lot of the legal commentators or legal analysts on YouTube. And during the Rittenhouse coverage, one of the YouTubers who covers this stuff, Nick Ricada of Ricada Law, um, started saying, "Hey, lawyers, lawyers, lawyers." Far and wide. I'm going to stream every single day of this trial. I'm going to stream all of it. Um, and I'm going to give commentary on it. And if you want to join the stream, join the stream, give commentary, watch the testimony, watch Kyle Rittenhouse um, testify, watch the direct examination and the cross-examination, watch the jury selection, watch this trial like it's the OJ trial, essentially front to back through verdict with a panel of independent lawyers who also give commentary. Lawyers, not just from the U.S., lawyers also from Canada. Lawyers in all different areas of law, defense attorneys, uh, former prosecutor, me, former prosecutor, me, and Nate, the lawyer who's also a former uh, law enforcement officer and um, prosecutor, and then civil attorneys as well. So we had quite a broad group, but that stream regularly had more views than any of the traditional media outlets because people could find independent coverage of what went on in that trial. And I found the traditional media headlines or the main, the more mainstream media headlines to be very divergent versus what we were seeing in the trial. So it was like the people who were like, Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero had headlines that were one way. And the people who were like, Kyle Rittenhouse is a, you know, a privileged racist kid who's getting away literally with murder. The headlines were this way. And it was, the headlines had become so polarized because the outlets had become so polarized. And it was really interesting getting to just leave all of that behind and analyze the witnesses, analyze the testimony and analyze the lawyers that were doing it. It really felt like we were giving sports commentary on a football game. It was like, I, for me, I had no, um, no, you know, horse in the race. It was, what are the lawyers doing? I, I got very frustrated with the prosecutors during that case. Um, and you can find my coverage on that around the interwebs. Um, some of the things they did, I was like, what, what are you doing? Not this, but getting to see each witness and getting to see the way that the digital evidence, the video evidence, the drone footage evidence was playing out in court was fascinating because it was different than the way it was playing out in the headlines and watching that in real time, not just with other attorneys, but with literally tens of thousands and up to a hundred thousand other people who wanted to just know what was happening in court, not necessarily what the headlines were interpreting was happening in court was really fascinating. And I think we're going to see even more of a push for there to be transparency in the courtroom. And we're seeing this with Britney Spears too. There was an open audio um, access to the courts and then it got shut down. I think access to justice and access to the courts for the public is critical to having a transparent system. And 
people are people who are concerned about the way our court system works in the US pushing for open access to courts so that not just lawyers can watch and commentate, but so that anyone can watch. Watch what the rules of evidence say. Watch how the witnesses testify. See how they testify. Because the jury is not just going on transcripts and words. The jury is looking at tone and body language and deciding who they believe and who they don't. And those things can change a trial. And without being able to see it, it's really hard to know exactly what the jury based a verdict on, and then it's easy to use one's own perception of the world to kind of supersede that and say, oh, well, they must have relied on this. They must have relied on that because without seeing the witnesses, we don't know. And we saw that really, really dramatically play out in the Rittenhouse case because you saw witnesses. There were witnesses. I was like, I absolutely believe that witness hundred percent. There were witnesses. I was like, I don't know if I'm taking everything you're saying the way that you're saying it. I don't necessarily pick up what you're putting down. I think you have some motivations to say the things that you're saying that are outside of this courtroom. And that was very interesting too. So overall, um, a, a growing year for not just legal analysis, but for alternative media. And I think we're going to continue to see that. We've seen um, commentators in the more mainstream media kind of take pot shops at people who comment on YouTube, but I will say um, a lot of YouTubers have more views than Netflix, have more views than the news. Um, and that says a lot about where people are choosing to spend their time and how people consume media. And I think that that's a really important change where you can find uh, voices that you trust and not just voices that you trust, but people who are independent from having you know, a corporate boss saying this is the direction the network's going in because when you're an independent content creator, you go with either where the clicks and views are. And that becomes obvious if you watch stuff going, oh, they're going where the clicks and views are and that's fine. Or someone who's like, this is how I cover. This is what I cover. This is what I'm doing. And uh, come along, come along or don't, but this is where we're going in the year. And there's a lot of those creators on YouTube and some of those creators who have been run off of YouTube because they're asking questions about things like COVID and, and, you know, vaccinations and things like that. But aren't we allowed to ask questions and aren't asking questions a good thing? I think asking the questions is always a good thing. And asking why courts aren't always open is a good thing. And that's the kind of questions I'm going to keep asking as we are into 2022, covering the topics that matter to us, covering the law where I can give content and asking the questions that I think are appropriate to ask. Because, oh boy, on a given day, do I have questions. We should move on to things I loved this year because A, it's so much fun, but B, one of the things I loved this year is a sponsor. So we're going to thank them real quick and then I'll be back. I'm so excited to be sharing another sponsorship with Green Chef with you. You guys know that I love Green Chef. The last Green Chef meal we had, my oldest made literally 95% of the meal with just a little bit of guidance from my husband and made the most delicious meatballs. And we cannot wait to eat it again. We were like, Ooh, it's time to... It's time to order more Green Chef. Green Chef has made it really easy for our family to not just enjoy cooking together, but to limit how often we're grocery shopping and to have delicious and balanced meals that break out of our normal rut. We literally have five meals that we make all the time and that's it. And Green Chef has helped us really expand what we're cooking 
and without worrying about the waste. Like if you don't love the meal, and by the way, I haven't had a single meal from Green Chef that I have not loved, but you don't have all these ingredients that you've never used before and aren't going to use again because they send you exactly what you need for each recipe. And it does make feeding your family not just easier, but fun. And that's one of the things that's really important to us, especially going into the new year. We are really trying to limit the things that cause stress in our life. Grocery shopping can be one of those things, but cooking can also be one of those things. And for me, eating well can be one of those things. I'm like, what? I'm stressed. Can't I just eat cookies for dinner? No, Emily, you can't. Well, you can, but it maybe isn't what makes you feel best. With Green Chef, there are tons of different specialty diet options from vegan and vegetarian to fast and fit, Mediterranean, keto and paleo, gluten-free. And they've worked really well with some of my allergies that don't fit into traditional categories, like the fact that I'm allergic to tomatoes. Most meal kits rely heavily on tomatoes, and I have had such good luck with every delicious meal from Green Chef. We have an incredible deal for you today. So if you are ready to try Green Chef for yourself, you get 10 meals free plus free shipping. Go to greenchef.com slash emilybaker130, and you can also use code emilybaker130 to get your 10 free meals and free shipping. There is a reason that Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. My family and I have enjoyed it. Speaking of this, I need to go make another order right now. I have reminded myself and that is what I am off to do. So be sure to hit the description below, look at the link and go get your meals and your free shipping. And let me know on social what you're making for dinner because I can't wait to see. All right, I got to go order two. Let's get back to this episode first. And I'm absolutely serious when I say that I really do love Green Chef and so does my family. Look, when my 13-year-old has loved every single meal that we've gotten from Green Chef and has enjoyed helping make it, it's a 10-10 it's a win for me. But the other things I've loved this year, and this is kind of a quicker list, but purple hair. Purple hair came about around my birthday. I am in my 40s. Um, I How many fucks do I give? None, zero, zero, not one. I loved dyeing my hair purple this year. It has been so much fun. It has been a great conversation starter. Going to um, Vid Summit in LA with other YouTube creators and meeting so many with colorful hair was just, it was just a lot of fun because it feels like the final, I don't have to conform to traditional work norms for me. And that was very important for me as I transitioned away from the district attorney's office and away from, um, you know, being in jury trials because I would often make sure that my case stood out first, not me. And in my content, I'm able to blend both. I want the facts to stand out, but I also want to share it in a way that it can be heard. There will be some people who will be like, she curses and she has purple hair. She's not for me. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to, if that's where you're out, you're going to be way the fuck out on the content that I make. And that's completely fine. But being able to just say it's, it's not that serious and you can, you can have a personality and an education and the curse words all at once. It's totally fine. And one of the, that brings me to really one of the other things that I've loved this year is embracing and sharing just my journey with ADHD and dyslexia. And I've shared a lot of that, especially choosing to live stream where I literally read documents on a screen 
out loud. I pronounce things wrong. I have a really difficult time with phonemic awareness um, and have a very hard time breaking down words into their parts. Part of that, I think, is the dyslexia. Part of it is just my quirky neurodivergentness. But being able to share the things that I've learned about myself, how I do things, and really bringing on a team this year and starting with, I am ADHD. (laughs) This is how I work. This is what is hard for me. This is where I struggle. I need your help in these ways. And I couldn't ask for help in the way that it best worked for me until I started also sharing my story and how ADHD affects me in my day-to-day life and also how it affects me as a mom of ADHD kids and a wife to the only non-ADHD person in my household who Dr. B love him the most. He doesn't listen to the podcast at all. Um, So he will never know. We're just going to, we're going to talk about him for a minute, just for a minute. Um, That sometimes it can be exhausting. He's like, I don't understand what's happening with all of you humans in my house. Why? And we're like, well, this is how our ADHD plays out. And sometimes I feel like I really am uh, like the ADHD Sherpa at my house, uh, translating and explaining my kids and myself to someone who is really much more neurotypical. And that's an adventure as well. And he is so blessedly patient with all of us. But as I learn more and embrace um, just my own quirks more, which is how we refer to it with our kids, I'm also able to share with him and articulate to him better, hey, um, this is this is why this and this is why that. And you know, I I actually have time blindness. It was something I learned more about this year through conversations. I didn't realize, because you don't know till you don't know, right? Okay. So quick story. Um, Former coworker of mine at the DA's office who I adore. Hey, Paul, good to see you, boo. Um, Me assuming Paul's listening eventually one, maybe. We were having a conversation when I was having a lot of health issues at the DA's office. And he asked me about allergy testing. And I was like, you know, I've been thinking about it, but I had not been allergy tested and shared his own experience with me going, look, I didn't know that I was allergic to, he's allergic to a lot of things. I ended up going to his allergist. I am also allergic to a lot of things. But one of the things he's allergic to is chocolate. I know, I know this sounds like death to a lot of you. I get it. But he was sharing his experience. Like, look, I didn't understand that other people when they ate chocolate didn't have like hot fiery pokers in their throat and didn't you know their mouth didn't like kind of swell up and get hot he's like i thought that's maybe what people liked about chocolate like oh okay like you all enjoy this <laughs> this sensation which was actually for him an allergic reaction so just him sharing like oh i how am i to know that the way i experience eating chocolate and my allergic reaction is not how everyone else experiences eating chocolate and their allergic reaction. This is how I feel about ADHD and things like time blindness. I didn't know that my husband can just perceive. He's like, oh yeah, no, I've been doing this for about a half an hour. It's like, how do you know that? Do you have a timer? Have you been looking at your watch? He's like, no, I can just like feel time passing. I'm like, what? Like what? He's like, no, you can just like, oh, we've been in the car an hour. I'm like, what? How do you know? Like, I have no sense at all of time passing. Time feels like it passes really, really slowly when I'm doing something I don't like. And it disappears when I am playing Animal Crossing, which is another thing I very much loved this year. Because when I am kind of hyper-focused and aware, 
I will completely lose all concept of time. Those of you that have been on some of my longer live streams know this. They're like, oh, God, love Emily in a glass of whiskey. She has no time awareness. And then I'm like, you guys, we've been streaming for two hours and 45 minutes. Why didn't anyone tell me? But I didn't know that people can feel time passing and actually have just an innate awareness because I have zero innate awareness, which explains so much of my early days test taking when I would be like, oh my God, what do you mean time's almost up? I have a, a, <laughs> I have like an old school, uh, sand timer. Why, uh, why are words hard right now? I'm completely blanking. All of you that are on YouTube are looking at it going, no, Emily, it's this. And I'm like, yeah, uh, hourglass. There we go. Our old school hourglass on my desk so I can visually see time passing as I am working and recording and things like that. So, and I got one for my oldest as well. So he can have a visual representation of time because just looking at the clock doesn't always help. So that is why I've really loved embracing and sharing my ADHD because so many of you have reached out and been like, oh my God, me too. I didn't know this either because if we don't talk about it, how do you know someone else has a different experience unless you share your experiences, which will come up again when I talk about things that confuse me. Conversation is literally the most powerful thing we have in connection to other humans who can say something like, oh, what do you mean? Have you, have you thought of allergy testing? Literally changed my health. Oh, are you, are you time blind too? Wait, what? Oh, I understand myself better. Um, just those conversations and sharing our experiences can be so powerful. So with that, um, I did mention Animal Crossing. I loved it this year. It's one of those very simple, like escapist, fun, um, fun games that I just love. My youngest and I enjoy running around our islands and pulling weeds and going fishing. And my husband's like, so what you're telling me is in this game, you do chores for money and then you buy cute stuff. I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> it's like being an adult, but I can sit on my couch and do it. And the music's really soothing and it's really cute. <laughs> He's like, so you're doing chores, but it's adorable. Like, yes. I enjoy it. Stop it. It's cute. I get to he, redecorate my house without actually hurting my back by moving furniture. Animal Crossing has been a lot of fun. I've also loved living in Tennessee. Before I recorded this today, we got snow. We got quite a lot of snow last February. It's been fun. Like granite on New Year's Day, it was like 76 degrees. And then on the second, it snowed five inches. But I like it. I like the changing seasons. I don't mind the rain. I really, I've loved living here. I've loved living in more space with more nature, more trees. I've really just loved living in Tennessee. I love driving down the uh, country roads. I love understanding country music better. I love all of it. So it's been a beautiful year living here. And I don't know, it just, it, it's hard to explain, but you can smell the seasonal changes, which might make no sense to a lot of you, but it, the air, the air smells different at different times of year. And it's, it's something that I never experienced living in California. And even when I lived in Western Massachusetts, I wasn't there consistently enough because I was there for college and then home in the summer and then home at the really hardest part of the winter. But living somewhere else um, outside of California for over a year and a half now has really given me a little bit more context on those seasons. And it's been fun. And I'm really not dreading going into our second winter. I don't mind being bundled up. I've got a good scarf that I love and I'm, I'm here for it. But I also am not obligated to be outside. 
<laughs> most of the time if I don't choose to be. So that is helpful as well. Uh, also this year, we have loved Ted Lasso so much. I'm sure tons of you do. It's been one of the bright spots of Apple TV Plus, And I also have, it. I like their workouts too, but Ted Lasso has just been really fun. Though I do have beef with one thing. No one has a case on their phone the entire show. Like I know you're an Apple product. I know it's an Apple show. I know it's on Apple TV Plus. I loved the morning show too, truth. But everyone has an iPhone. No one has a case on it. Look, just it it sucks me out of the realism of the show every single time because every single time I see somebody on their phone, I'm like, why don't you have a case? And it makes me itchy. Like it makes me itchy. I I you it, I have very strong feelings about phone cases <laughs> because I am too clumsy to not have a case on my beautiful phone. And it really does. Every single time I see the phone without a case, I have to make a comment on it. And Brian's like, like, I get it. They don't have cases on their phones. It's an Apple show. They want to show off the Apple logo. And I'm like, ah, Apple makes cases, put the Apple cases on the phone, damn it. Other things I've embraced and have loved this year is longer fingernails. I've just really, I've gone for it. We've gone all in this year. Um, during 2020, there was definitely a lot less getting my nails done just because of everything. But I have really enjoyed 2021, making sure that I get to have a little bit longer fingernail. It makes me, it's fun. It just, it feels like fun. It makes me happy. I'm on camera enough that I'm like, they feel fun and sparkly to me. And I love it. I also marked down friendships and collaborations with other creators. That has really been, as YouTube has grown and changed for me, as the podcast has gained some recognition, and as I've been able to be a source to other people's content with the legal analysis, getting to know others who choose to live differently and choose to make content creation their full-time has been inspiring and, and fun and really kind of magical. It's nice to get to be with kind of your your other weirdos who get the world that you live in, who understand what it is to work on the internet uh, for yourself in this strange little content creation world. I love it. It's been a blessing and I appreciate all of you. And then lastly, um, things I loved this year is my secret little book club. I do not have a public facing book club. I occasionally share on Patreon and other places what I'm reading, but there's a sneaky little book club with just, you know, those of us who message each other and are like, well, what about this? And what about that? And are you reading this? And that's been really fun. <laughs> it's brought back kind of a joy of reading, knowing that I'm sharing what I'm reading um, with a close knit group of friends and that we are all able to kind of giggle together about, about what we're reading. And that has been delicious and delightful. Into things that confused me this year. This one's hard to admit. Um, I like TikTok and I'm embarrassed and I'm not going to say I'm ashamed. Um, I have stayed kind of away from TikTok because it really does suck me in, but I enjoy TikTok. There are so many great creators and I have fallen down like kind of two specific rabbit holes of TikTok. Well, maybe three. Um, like the fandom TikTok is one of them. Like Harry Potter and um, Supernatural and Doctor Who, kind of the fandom space, sea shanties, just a very strange niche, but yes. Um, but also music from the 90s and early 2000s, mashups, top lists, bet you don't remember, you know, blind reacts, all of those. 
because TikTok's algorithm is so creepy good that it's like, oh, you would like more music that reminds you of your college days. Here you go. Here it is. (laughs) It's more than just pony. You're welcome. And then this whole like genre of TikTok of people living kind of exquisitely, beautiful cooking videos, lovely meals, everything in an air fryer. I bought an air fryer again. I had an air fryer when we moved. I was like, I don't need the air fryer. We don't use the air fryer. It's too small for the family. So we doubled down and got a bigger air fryer because I can't be on TikTok and not need an air fryer. I am so influenced by TikTok. I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. Like I, the, the like under three minute, like recipes. I'm like, oh, it's so good. They're so fun. People with super organized refrigerators. I just love to look at it. I love it. Making their own pasta. It's been delightful. TikTok has pulled me back in. And I have found like that those three kind of categories just make me smile every single time. I set a limit and a timer, (laughs) but they always make me smile. Um, Other things that confuse me, this is a carryover from 2020 as well. Censorship on social media. I think we're coming to a head with censorship on social media. What can be said? What can't be said? corporations versus public forms. I think we're going to see more litigation over this. It does confuse me, but it's also, I think we're, we're in a place where the boundaries of free speech are being evaluated in a new era and a new context. Technology always moves faster than the law. And we're going to see um, kind of this odd push and pull that I've been watching between, you know, where comedy falls and comedy is clearly protected speech, but is it protected speech on Twitter? Is it protected speech on Facebook? Is it protected speech on YouTube? What is comedy? What's just offensive? Who is it offensive to? Are you, you know, are you allowed to be offended? Yes, you can be offended. <laughs> like just because you're offended doesn't mean it shouldn't be on a platform. Well, it depends. Where are the boundaries of that? And those are very big conversations that are continuing on. I don't always think the answer is, well, then that person shouldn't be allowed to speak on social media, but maybe sometimes it is. But when is that? And is that ever okay? And is it not okay? And where are we on private media censorship versus like government censorship? And when is it too much? And when are tech companies, common carriers? This is something that confuses me. It's something I, I am continuing to look at because it's something that is going to continue swirling around and impacting our lives. Um, And I think that that's a good thing. The law needs to reevaluate section 230, what individual repercussions or what individuals have um, as a recourse for the repercussions that come from social media. Are things going to change at Twitter now that Jack Dorsey has stepped down as CEO Um, and where, where we fall on all of that? Because these are questions that I had. No answers. Questions. And questions we need to continue to explore and watch how the courts continue to explore. And they're questions that need to continue to have conversation around them, which is why I get concerned when it's like, oh, that, that's a conversation that can't be had. I think all conversations should be had and explored. And that's part of speech. But that also bumps up against what is a company required to do on their platform. So that's something we're definitely going to keep looking at and asking questions about. Speaking of things that confuse me on social media, by the way, your girl just can't get verified. Like Instagram and TikTok are like, we don't know who you are and don't care. That's I'm half teasing. And half of me is like, come on, man. 
a content creator now. <laughs> Don't you know? And then the final thing was Tiger King 2. I was so confused. Did we need it? Did we want it? Was anybody asking? I'm glad that it brought us more lawsuits with Carol Baskin and Netflix. Like, I'm fascinated by that. But did we need Tiger King 2? Did we not? Like, it was such a moment in 2020, but did we need another one at the end of 2021? I don't know. I'm so confused and I still don't know how I feel about it, which is why those were the things that confused me this year. We are moving on. Things I let go of in 2021. This was something I let go of in 2020, the first one, but I carried on. Carry on my, no, not that kind of, well, kind of that kind of carried on. I carried on pants that aren't leggings in 2020. I was like, screw it. I'm done. And, you know, I've been working with beta brand. You hear me talk about them. They make work pants that look like work pants, but are actually yoga pants. And I just live here now. I just live here now. I am a content creator. I will very rarely put on a pair of jeans, but I get to work in leggings all the time. It's comfortable. I might go upstairs and work out and stretch. I might not. I might, you know, I might need to heat my back. I'm in my forties. I just don't want to be in real pants all day. And so now leggings are real pants. So it's not something I'm giving up. I'm just owning it. So maybe that's just something I'm owning in 2021. Also things I let go of, um, being stressed about food prep. I've made this a lot easier. You heard that I've been working with Green Chef. It's because I use Green Chef. We've also done other uh, prepared meal delivery for lunches when I'm really busy, but I've just made it easy. Like we mix up dinners. We get our Green Chef meals that we can cook, but I basically do the same thing for breakfast and lunch every day. So I don't have to think about it. And I was like, well, you should have more diversity and blah, blah, blah. No, I need to make it easy. I need a routine. That's what I do. So I'm not going to be stressed about it anymore. I'm not going to worry about it. Other things I let go of in 2021, this is what I'm still working on, but I'm sharing it with y'all because it does make a difference. There are times I don't do it, but it does make a difference. I do not get on my cell phone. The first thing when I wake up in the morning, I do not check in on social media. I, my social, you might notice my no social Sundays are getting a bit longer. Like sometimes my no social Sundays span from when I'm done live streaming on Friday to like Tuesday morning, but I don't live and die by my phone. And that is something that's been really important to me to be connected into my real life and connected into myself and my family. And it's really easy for me, particularly let me know if it's easy for you to, to get distracted by everything else going on. If I'm on my phone in the morning, I need to deal with my own priorities first. I need to deal with my own day first. I need to get prepared for what I've got going on in the day first. And I can't do that if the first thing I'm doing is taking in other information. It's something my friend Warren and I had talked about when it's like, you know, create first and then consume. And that really is the pattern I try to go by with my days, unless there's something really big that I'm checking on, like, is there going to be an Elizabeth Holmes verdict? I don't know. Maybe her jury seems to be hung on three counts, but there's going to be a verdict on the other ones. And if her jury's hung on three counts, if she was just not guilty, wouldn't they just not guilty her on the three counts they're confused about? So I think they're probably, this is just speculation. I think they're probably guilty on the other counts and they're not quite sure on the three. Because if they were not guilty and they were like, well, maybe she's guilty on this three, wouldn't they just be like, ah, fuck it. We're not going to deliberate anymore. Not guilty on all of it. I feel like they're guilty on 11 and they're hung on the three and maybe they'll end up being hung on the three and, and the judge will declare a mistrial in those three and they'll retry those three or not or sentence her and just let them go. But we'll see. So I think, I think we're going to see some convictions in that case, possibly before this episode comes out. 
but we were talking about things I was letting go of, things I was letting go of. Also, doing everything on my own. I've brought on a lot more of a team this year. We've got fantastic editors, an operations manager, an amazing team of moderators. Um, my kind of right hand NJ who does, you know, everything from merch to moderators and everything in between, helping me um, plan and keep moving forward. And, you know, Warren, who absolutely helps me with social and community and just touching in with staying as a values aligned creator, all of kind of those who have worked with Team Baker, and that includes my kids and my husband, who are all a part of Team Baker, have been so tremendous at helping me get better at not doing everything on my own. I am used to doing everything on my own. And that habit gets really reinforced when you're a DA because it literally you're you're you know doing your own jury instructions and making your own copies and buying your own supplies half of the time. And you're asking detectives for things and then you're the one following up on everything and you really do feel like you are handling 90% of everything in your job by yourself. And it's something that I tended towards anyway. And this year, my team has really helped me embrace that the things that I do best are what I need to do. And the things that are not best done by me need to not be done by me. And that's been a huge blessing. And I continue to lean into it in 2022. And with that, we should get to what we're doing in 2022. Every January, I take the opportunity to kind of do a January reset And my January reset takes a look back at the past year, which some of which we've done together, some of which I do by myself and through journaling. But with looking back, I always look back on what I loved in the year, what I didn't love in the year, how I'm constructing my days, how I'm spending my time and the things that I'm giving the most energy to. And if those are the things that matter most to me, if the things that matter most to me are family, which is one of the top things that matters most to me is the way I'm living my life reflecting that? Am I spending too much time working, which sometimes I do? Um, Am I spending too much time reading cases and not connecting with my kids? Or am I not? Like, where is that balance? And really looking at how that has worked out over the last year and where I want to shift and change and grow. So really looking back at the year and what I want to create for the next year, how I want to spend my days. And the reason I look at it by days is because like, oh, how do I want to spend the year is way too overwhelming to me. I'm like, I don't know. Um, you know, what's, what's your 90-day goal? I don't know. I don't know. What I know is I want my days to look like this. Um, these are the things that I'm focused on, and we will get there kind of step by step. And that's really how I put things down. And then my team helps me construct those into like 90-day goals because it overwhelms me to break them down that way. So Every January, I take the opportunity to re-listen to Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. It is a book that I absolutely love. Every January, it re-inspires me and I take something new away from it. I listen to the audiobook because she reads it in her own voice. It is a fantastic book. I can't recommend it enough. And it helps me remember that as I go into the next year, what am I saying yes to with my time and my energy? Always drinking water. Drinking water is part of my reset every year because look, water matters. I want my skin to look good. I want it to continue to look good. Some of this is vanity, folks. It just is. And how much water I'm drinking throughout the year matters. The more I talk, which is almost daily now, um, the more my water needs change. And then it gets really dry in Tennessee in the winter, like dry. So I'm living in a different environment and still figuring out what that looks like. So yes, 
water, water, water. Drink your water, wear your sunscreen. These are conventional wisdoms that we need to just take with us into every single year. I also reset looking at what my movement looks like every day. I am a Taurus. I'm very much a Taurus. I am ADHD. Moving my body is something that I need. It is something that I do not do when I overwork. Like when I get too busy, I stop going for walks. I stop um, doing yoga. I stop doing the things that I enjoy doing. And that is never good for me. It always stresses me out. So in my January reset, I look at how I'm working that into my day every day. Because again, I go by, what do I want my day to look like? And then I replicate that day for seven. And then that's my week. And then we go by four and then that's my month. And then, you know, we go by three and that's my quarter. And then we move on. So reincorporating that and evaluating what it looks like and where it fits in, because here's the thing, and this might not be the case for everyone, but for me, movement and where that fits into my day also has to fit in with if I need to be on camera, if I don't need to be on camera, if I need to wash my hair, if I have to do makeup, when I have to do makeup, if I wash my face before I work out, what kind of workout is it going to be? Am I going to sweat a lot? Do I, I don't want makeup in my pores if I'm going to sweat because I don't want it to clog my pores. It is a whole thing. (laughs) It's not just like, oh, we'll go for a walk. Like there's planning. It's like, well, what kind of walk? Is it going to be a sweaty walk? Is it going to be a stroll? Are we going to saunter? Are we going to have a constitutional or am I going to be freezing my ass off in a beanie and have to wash my hair and then dry my hair because I've got to record tomorrow? So it's more than just like, oh, well, we can just go move. There's a whole process. So it's figuring out where that fits into my days based on, you know, hair and makeup, truthfully. And when I'm filming and when I'm not, uh, journaling is a part of that. I, I have a love-hate relationship with journaling. It is good for me and my mental health. I do not always love to do it. When I stop doing it, I am always asked, have you been, have you been journaling? Have you been checking in? And I'm like, no. And it's like, "Mm, I can tell. (laughs) Ah. So that is part of what I do. I love notebooks and pens and I love doing it. I just get out of habit. So with my kind of newer, tighter camera angle, I'm able to leave those things all on my desk and pick them up every single day. And then committing to rest. It is something that particularly in American society, we do not put enough value on. I think that the is a tra- I think that that's just an absolute tragedy. I think we run towards overwork and burnout instead of dealing with mental health. This is really just my opinion. And giving ourselves time to slow down really makes us evaluate things that we're not always equipped to deal with. I know that's been the case for me. Um, go watch my TED Talk. I talk all about a whole ass identity crisis and breakdown when I physically was sidelined by my own injuries and having to sit down, literally sit down and figure out why it was so hard to slow down. And if slowing down feels uncomfortable, it's okay to ask why. We have links below. And I hope that as we shift into talking more about mental health and talking more about overwork and burnout that we can also talk about building in rest, setting appropriate boundaries and taking care of ourselves. And I, you know, I hope that sharing my journeys with it helps you not just know that you can have a journey with it too, but that it's okay to say you don't have to running yourself into the ground for 30 years and getting paid for it is not a career. That's not a life. That is literally just you burning yourself out for someone else's benefit and you don't have to live like that. None of us do. And we shouldn't. It's not, it's not what we're meant to do. It's not how we're meant to be. And it just doesn't make us the best versions of ourselves. And I want to enjoy the version of me that I wake up with every day and don't immediately get onto social media to try and escape from. That's where I'm at for 2022. 
There's one last thing I want to take a look at that I didn't do last year, but I'm incorporating into our um, year roundup. It will be up on the screen if you, and I will put a link down below. If you are watching this on YouTube, if you're not, we're going to talk about it. So let us talk real quick about this year in search. The year in search. I always love looking at this because we've talked about the things that have mattered for us um, as law nerds, for us as individuals, but I like looking at what people were searching for on Google. So you can go to Google Trends. It's linked below and see what was trending in 2021 in the United States. You can switch to different countries if you want, but the top searches for uh, 2021 were number one, NBA, number two, DMX, number three, Gabby Petito, number four, Kyle Rittenhouse, number five, Brian Laundrie. Um, the Gabby Petito, Brian Laundrie case was one of the more difficult things that I covered this year on the channel. I very intentionally did not cover it in every single minute detail because it's so heavy. And it was just such a sad case, but it really was one of the things that fascinated us. I, I, I didn't even think, um, to put it on the list. I should have absolutely put it on the list of the things that I got asked about a lot, but it, it's a hard case. It's a hard case to talk about and we will see what happens. They still haven't closed the homicide investigation for Gabby Petito. And I think we will still see more news about that in 2022 because the FBI hasn't closed out that investigation uh, in Wyoming yet. So in the news, the number one things in the news were Mega Millions, AMC stock, stimulus check, Georgia Senate race, and GME. People, the number one searched people person was Kyle Rittenhouse. Number two was Tiger Woods. Number three was Alec Baldwin. Number four was Travis Scott. Number five was Simone Biles. And I'm not surprised um, that Simone Biles is on the list. I'm glad that she was. I was thrilled that some of my commentary about the gymnast's testimony at Congress was included in ABC's The Year 2021. Simone Biles broke a lot of barriers this year with talking about her mental health and saying that it was enough and she needed to take a step back at the Olympics. It was uh, courageous, and I'm glad that she did. I'm glad that she brought a spotlight on it, and I hope that she is able to find everything that she's looking for in 2022. Um, on a side note, she is also an ambassador and uh, works closely with Cerebral, who's one of today's sponsors. Actors, number one, Alec Baldwin. Number two, Pete Davidson. I bet is Pete Davidson trending because of Kim Kardashian? I'm just going to guess yes. Number three, Shaleen Woodley. Number four, Gina Carano. Number five, Army Hammer. And then as we go to celebrities search together, Kim and Kanye, Bill and Melinda Gates, who were getting divorced this year, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. It's so funny that the celebrities search together when it's Kim and Kanye, it's their first names, but when it's Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson, it's their full names. Number four, the number four most searched together celebrities are Kanye and Jeffree Star. Like all of those of you that don't watch YouTube are like, what the fuck does that even mean? Everybody who does watch YouTube is like, I'm not surprised. And then number five, Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm sure that has something to do with the extended version <laughs> being released. Like, I, I don't know. Is it Jake Gyllenhaal give the sweater back? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. The top five games were Among Us, Battlefield 2042, Resident Evil Village, Valheim, which I've never even heard of, and Forza Horizon 5. Is that a car racing game? I think so. Other things that really touched my heart were how to pronounce, 
how to pronounce Dogecoin, how to pronounce Michael Jackson, which I don't know why that came up this year, how to pronounce how to pronounce quinoa. And I just wonder if it's from the commercial, the how to not be like your parents commercial that talks about quinoa, how to pronounce Kamala, obviously with the election, I'm not surprised by that, and how to pronounce Elon Musk's son's name because it was a symbol or a series of letters and symbols at the beginning, and then it got changed, and I still don't know. How to style was how to style straight leg jeans, how to style a wolf haircut. If you don't know what a wolf haircut is, um, just TikTok yourself with that. How to style a corset, how to style rings, how to style a sweater vest. And when it came to memes, the number one memes were Bernie Sanders mittens. That meme, um, just it still makes me smile. Hamster, I don't understand. The, I don't understand. Twisted Tea, Squid Game, and Sheesh. I'm old. I don't get all the how to, I don't get all the memes. Um, the top passings that were in the most Googled of 2021 were DMX, Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry, Prince Philip, and Norm MacDonald. Um, I'm sure that because of, well, when Betty White passed, that she did not make the list because it was the last day of the year, but also a very notable passing. And then the songs for the year were Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, All Too Well by Taylor Swift, Good For You, Olivia Rodrigo, Once It Needs, Drake, and Easy On Me, Adele, which came out late. Top TV shows, Squid Game, Bridgerton, Bridgerton is so good, WandaVision, Ginny and Georgia, and Cobra Kai, and sustainable products, people searching for sustainable hand soap, leather jackets, denim sandals, and cleaning products. So that is, uh, oh, and updates. Stimulus update, DMX update, Brian Laundry update, Gabby Petito update, and Hurricane Ida update, which means Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry have crossed into the top five in numerous categories in this year in search. So that is a full look back at what was going on in our world from my perspective in 2021. Thank you for being a part of this amazing 2021. I cannot wait to see where we go in 2022. It is buckle up. 2022, we got some big things on the horizon, and I am very excited to share them with you. Lawnards, we've got we've got a year, we've got some law. This year was unexpected. 2022 is going to be unexpected. So grab a glass and it is time for us to say goodbye. Oh, do you know what I left out of things I love? Hold the phone. I completely forgot. Dave Matthews concerts. I went to concerts this summer. It was stressful because it was still 2021, but it happened. Concerts happened. Concerts happened again this summer. I loved it so much that I completely blacked out. <laughs> and um, I got to eat, drink, and be merry with some of my dearest friends under the open sky listening to Dave Matthews. And there will definitely be more of that for me in 2022. Um, he even came, he, he came and performed locally in Franklin, Tennessee. It was incredible. I can't believe I, for, I can't believe I forgot to say that. Yes, I can. I always forget to say something. Either way, grab a glass. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a honored. This is just this is just our closing now, because it's just well wishes. Like, may you be hydrated. Maybe we need to add, may you be hydrated on occasion. <laughs> may you be well. May you be well hydrated. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your families be well. 
And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Lawnard. Take care of yourself. And I can't wait to hear what you are letting go of from 2021, what you're looking forward to in 2022, and all the conversations that we will have around the interwebs after this episode. Thank you again. All right. Bye. 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 